She's Julie Roxanne. And he's Alistair. And And this this is Far Out, a podcast about stepping off the beaten path and learning to live from our center. And I started like getting so sick of the clothes that I own. Like I'm done. Like I, I've, I've, I'm tired of how I look, basically. And and so I treated myself to an afternoon of Goodwill shopping, which is one of my favorite things to do. It's the sequel to Goodwill hunting. No. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> Is if there's a choice between romantic and funny, you're back. going to funny, and yeah. I would like us to go back to a I little recognize bit of that. Romance. I recognize that, but I would like you to stop wearing corduroy then. And two, I could be dead fucking wrong, which is seems to happen quite a lot. So like. I don't hold a lot of stock in my opinions. I just like to have them. <laughs> yeah. Well, hello, beautiful people, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Far Out Podcast. Welcome. It's great to have you here. Uh, today, we start by talking about mugs without handles. Then we move on to corduroy pants. <laughs> then we talk about why we're changing the name of our cacao ceremonies to shamanic cacao ceremonies. It has something to do with ripping a, fa- a hole in the fabric of the times of time space. Yeah, exactly. And uh, finally, uh, the bulk of this conversation is about communication and we why are... we're such communication nerds. Yeah, so get ready for a big communication on communication from massive communication nerds. Booyah, I can't wait. <laughs> Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Hello, far out people. What up, everyone? Welcome. Welcome. Recording live from the rainforest. As always. Yeah. It's nice to know we haven't left in a long time, actually. I was just thinking that recently. It's like, oh, we've been here for a few months. We I have. can feel it. Yeah. It's <sighs> not quite long enough for the moss to grow on us, but we're getting there. <laughs> yeah. And that would be a sign of a pretty healthy uh, microbiome if we had That's most right. moss growing That's on right. us, for sure. It's great so, to have you back. It is great to have you back. Today, um, we have a few different topics. Yeah. A couple things are coming up. The first one, probably the most important one, and the one we should spend the most time on, <laughs> is mugs without handles. <laughs> mugs without handles. The other day, I had to do a meeting, and we you got your favorite mugs, right? But you yeah. have more than your... There's a collection of mugs, and there's some that never get used. Yeah, that are just here when the dishwasher is having problems, yeah, which it has... which is ha- happening. So if you know our dishwasher, our dishwasher is called the Magic Box. Yeah. It's called the Magic Box because you put things in, they come out. Super clean. Yeah. And, uh, like like cleaner than, like, this is a secondhand, uh, like, random brand type of dishwasher. Yeah. And it comes out cleaner than, like, state-of-the-art it's dishwashers. Amazing. Lately, though, the Magic Box has been having some issues. Um, he, he He's choosing when he wants to work. Yeah. And, and he's taking a few mental health days. Yeah. That's what I'm taking. That's what I'm calling it. I got to say, I don't have a lot of tolerance for this. <laughs> with me. Like, you know, I guess that's where, like, the, the line is drawn for me. But, like, when it comes to machines, I feel like they need to work all the if time. If it's a robot, it should be working. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't like this idea that you choose. But anyway, there's some <laughs> something in the circuitry and, like, sometimes it just doesn't work. It so just doesn't just- turn on. When it, when it works. <laughs> 
works, it works. It's See, still the magic you box. You hear Julie Roxanne defending the magic box because she thinks the magic box is healing. <laughs> it's healing itself. And, yeah, and I'm it's saying... It's doing so much better already. You're confused. It w- <laughs> it's not an organic being. It is a machine. It's breaking down. That's what is happening, and we should be replacing it. Anyway. Uh, and you say that, and then I'm supposed to be the one. He was like, do yeah, you want, can you create a Facebook we. account so we can go on Facebook Marketplace? I'm not going to do the, that. It's the royal we. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I can say you we without, replace, without yeah. saying you. Anyway, I do uh, that a lot. Yeah. So, the royal we is that a thing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh so the magic box wasn't wasn't he was having a day of rest and <laughs> Thank you. And we were running out of mugs. So I had to pick a mug that I don't usually pick, which aesthetically, it's a nice looking mug. It's a beautiful mug. Yeah. It was handmade by the people who built this house we live in, actually. Oh, wonderful. Well, you would be a better like flower pot than a mug because when you actually put (laughs) hot water in it, you can't hold the mug, which seems like an essential feature of a mug. It's a mug. Like it has like one job is to hold hot water. (laughs) And it doesn't do that without scalding my hand. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, yeah. He did that right before we jumped on it. We've been doing a lot of, well, I've been organizing a lot of free community events through Wild Within. So I just want to throw it out here, people, that um, if you want to join, it, just make sure you're on the Wild Within email list. And these informations will be uh, these informations will be provided. There you to go. You. Putting an S on, on the end of a word that doesn't twice, require an S. Twice, apparently. <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm French. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> Sheeps and fishes. But anyways, he joined one of the community calls and we're like kind of, he joined with like five minutes delay or something. So like we're already kind of in the shares. And first thing Alistair says is like, uh, handless, like handleless mugs are awful. This sucks. So he already ranted about it twice. I'm just saying we should all rise up, take our mugs out in the streets and smash them in the streets. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. They serve no purpose. But you say that, and yet your favorite morning coffee mug doesn't have a handle. Oh, you're right. I um. never thought about that. But here's the thing. That one doesn't burn my hand because it had some insulation yeah, around it. It's got like a nice silicone thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> I guess it's not, I guess I need to be a little bit more specific. You should have seen his face when I pointed that out. I was like, oh, oh yeah. no. I'm it's the ones kidding. that burn your hand when yeah. you have hot water. Yeah. Anyway, I use that mug to drink cold things. Yeah, I don't like having to decide what temperature yeah. based on the mug I'm using. <laughs> that seems like bullshit to me. <laughs> you have very high standards about how your uh, household equipment needs to work for you. I don't know. Maybe the just magic mugs. box, I think... the mug. Like it's like you have all these ways that things. Need I just to want work them to right? work for the purpose that they're designed for. Is that too much to ask? Is that too much? Jesus. Oh, man. All right. Are, do you feel complete? Do you want to rise, rise up in the street? Like, do you feel complete on this? I don't know. I think, I think maybe the revolution we'll come has back. begun. Yeah, yeah maybe, maybe it'll come back. Um, next thing we wanted to talk about, which I think is a very important topic. I, um, I recently did something, which is, uh, you know, I, that probably happens to women more than to men. But I feel like recently I have been wearing the exact same clothes over and over again. And I started like getting so sick of the clothes that I own. Like I'm done. Like I, I've, I've, I'm tired of how I look basically. And, and so I treated myself to an afternoon of Goodwill shopping, which is one of my favorite things to do. It's the sequel to Goodwill hunting. No. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> It is a bit of a hunt, but yeah, yeah, okay. 
And funny thing is, I actually walked in and it was around 3 p.m. And the uh, next thing I knew, I looked up and it was dark outside. So, and it's like. Well, that's not saying much. I mean, we're well, in, we're been, in Oregon. Yeah, it, it, was, it was like, it was probably around 5.30 when I saw okay. and then I stayed for another 30 minutes. Yeah. So, you know, three hours at a Goodwill. It, sounds it like was my great though because. <laughs> it actually was, it would be the mall but. it was actually really nice because it was middle of the afternoon on a weekday and it was there was no one in mm. the sh- like no one I, it was me and a bunch of retired people it yeah. was awesome uh just hunting for the right thing i spent probably like i want to say 100 150 170 dollars and i bought so much good stuff and i was able to like rotate a lot of my clothes i don't do that very often but i do uh, like i needed it and uh I am finally pursuing a passion that has been here my entire life, but that I I don't think I've ever lived in a climate where I could, um, you know, follow that, which is corduroy. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a pair of pants that I love that are like stretchy black corduroy pants. I'm living in them. They give me the feeling that I'm dressing up for the day instead of wearing my pajamas. And yet they feel like my pajamas. Yeah, that's such a Pacific Northwest thing to wear corduroy. <laughs> I just don't know any other like section of the world where that's socially acceptable behavior. Uh, well, okay. And and I will also say that I found this great like kind of jacket, like shacket type of thing, you know, like a, like a jean jacket, you know, like with yeah. buttons and stuff. Except it's it's like... The loveliest shade of like rusty pink corduroy. And I'm so happy with those finds. And I bring them home and I'm so happy. And Alistair, just you have a very different opinion on corduroy than me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think corduroy was some, like my only relationship with corduroy goes back to like junior high school where you realize it's a bad idea to be wearing corduroy pants. Yeah. You know, like you have that friend yeah. who's wearing corduroy pants way like in way longer. When it's when you're just like, dude, gotta get rid of the corduroy it's pants. True. It's true. There not, is a time. It, there was a time in our teenage years not where cool. it wasn't cool. It's like it's okay. It's okay. And then all of a sudden you realize it's not cool, <laughs> and you better not wear those pants. <laughs> and I've never come back from the not cool thing. Apparently, there's a time where it becomes cool again. Yeah. But like, I can't follow style. Yeah. Like that. I. I you know. I don't know. If it's I cool. just it, the a great example of this is like I'm so happy yesterday and and I we went for a walk the other day and I was wearing all of my new clothes. I had my corduroy pants and I had like my new like you know warm things because I I had like two sweaters and we live in in like Oregon. It, it was time for this to stop. Yeah. So I've been like you know I was out. For my for you my have, walk like, corduroy in the forest. pants. You had something under your corduroy jacket, so it's like kind of puffy. And then you have like your your beanie that that does yeah. doesn't match. And I know? just felt super cute. And I was like, dude, I look, I feel so cute. Like, look at how I'm dressed. And then he turns around. He just said, "You look like a dumbass." <laughs> and I'm like, is this is this approaching the fourth year anniversary of marriage? Like, why is that appropriate for you to call me a dumbass when I tell you I think I look cute? It broke my heart. It broke my heart. You set it up in a way where it's like, I know the thing I'm supposed to say here. Like, I know romantically what I should do. 
But I also know what would be funniest to say here. And you have to admit, it was a funny thing to I say. I cracked up so hard, but it also hurt. It was hurt. also a little harsh. It hurt yeah, at I know. a deeper level. Sacrifices were made. I know. I was like, maybe, because I feel like recently we've been leaning towards like 90% of the responses. If there's a choice between romantic and funny, you're back. going to funny. And yeah. I would like us to go back to a little bit of that. romance. I recognize that. But I would like you to stop wearing corduroy then. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> oh well Whew. yeah yeah okay anyways corduroy is awesome yeah. and i will continue to buy so much of it if you find a nice corduroy jacket or something for me go for it oh you want you, you want to try oh i might i could I, try it earlier the, today you said corduroy is for losers yeah. and then i told you i think that in your 40s i could see you rocking some corduroy i could change my tune on this <laughs> It's fun to hate on corduroy, you know. Yeah, you know? yeah. Also, it's you, you. I think you've between yin yoga and corduroy, you're realizing you're probably a loser. Yeah, now. well, yeah. There's a couple of things. It's like corduroy could be for losers, and that doesn't disqualify me. I mean, once, that's right? true. So that is that. Um, <laughs> I don't have that high an opinion of myself. And two, not anymore. No. And two, I could be dead fucking wrong, which is seems to happen quite a lot. So like. <laughs> I don't hold a lot of stock in my opinions. I just like to have them. <laughs> yeah, it's like buttholes, you know. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> well, you, you know, the, everyone knows the thing. Like, Yeah, it's good we have buttholes. All right. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. What, <laughs> we have a list of weird things we wanted to talk about today. And then, and then I think we'll get into a more meteor topic. But uh, we wanted to talk about our... On this past Friday, we hosted a one of our uh, infamous uh, shamanic cacao ceremonies for the people living on the land here, and uh, wow, that it was intense. It yeah. was it was really uh, we 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 went somewhere. We started. We've been kind of reflecting on it because it was um, it was we did it for eight people here on the land. No one ever, everyone is always surprised when they come to one of our cacao ceremonies. We've realized we need to name it different yeah. because um, I think people have a general idea of what a cacao ceremony is, which is something like fairly soft and gentle. And I heard someone say I was expecting to be, I was expecting it to be much tamer. Yeah. 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 There, our ceremonies are fairly wild. And uh, I think the, the term is shamanic cacao ceremony, but we were talking about it because I've always been amazed at what you can do with that plant, uh, with cacao, um, yeah. because a lot of what we're bringing into it is stuff you'd normally, like, is, is with working with combo and ayahuasca and these much more aggressive, mm -hmm. intense uh, compounds. But we've kind of just decided we're going to do that with cacao, too. It's like we're going to take the same structure of ceremony that we're learning for these really intense medicines and we're going to apply it to cacao. But I've never seen that actually done. Yeah. We just decided to do it. Yeah. And it turns out, like, it's really interesting because it shows you how even, like, with something like ayahuasca, it's like you don't even need a high-powered psychedelic mm -hmm. to have a lot of the effects that normally you associate with an ayahuasca ceremony or a psychedelic ceremony. It's yeah. like a lot of that, a lot of, like, the healing, like the community building, the journeying yeah. can happen. And it can happen with something like cacao. What, what it suggests to me is that so much of it is also in in being a technician of the sacred, of mm -hmm. understanding techniques for opening up sacred space and holding the space yeah. as well and channeling that energy. Yeah. And we were both like, you, you were actually like 
throwing up at the end of it. I was pretty fucked up after the ceremony for, for, for a variety reasons, of reasons. So we're not going to go into. Some of them were energetic, though. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and like, at this point, it's interesting because that was something else I was reflecting on. It's like the energetic stuff that happened. Like, we're learning. It's cool that we're learning this through cacao particularly because cacao is fairly forgiving. Yeah. And you, you can do... Yeah, it's 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 fairly forgiving medicine and pretty inclusive. Um, so <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna make it yeah yeah I know I gonna stop myself. Stop. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, and so we're learning, like, oh, that's why this has to be a rule. Like, why this is why we have to be strict with this and this because yeah, yeah. things happen even in ceremony. And what I'm realizing is that. You know, we're we're singing. We channel different energies and and things, and and you're holding the space. And mm-hmm. like a way to think about it is like being the center tent pole for an energetic space. Yeah. And like you you if if something's happening in your space, you often feel it most. Yeah. Because hence because, the throwing up after yeah, ceremony. Yeah. And I, I wasn't doing so hot myself. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so like whatever energies are in there, like you know, a lot of times they may attack you, and and it can be just fairly taxing. Mm-hmm. And and also, like, we're kind of channeling these energies that we have relationships with. And so we go fairly deep and we are f- very sensitive. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times I think when the rules are broken, like, yes, I think it affects the how effective or powerful the ceremony can be for others. But it seems to first and foremost affect us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As, yeah. as, as the uh, um, facilitators. And to be clear, like, you're stu- I feel like you're hinting at stuff. It's like there's nothing special that is worth, like, d- d- you know, unpacking about the that ceremony. It's just like we're in a process of continuously learning in a very firsthand experience why the rules that we've learned in our trainings to, to that are important around ceremony, why they matter. At and, a pretty deep level. And seeing how powerful the tech, I like to call it like the technology of ceremony, mm-hmm. like which is separate than the ayahuasca component, yeah. right? Like the technology of ceremony is so fucking powerful. It is. It's, I think I heard it called, a term I like is, I think it was called a, a psychotechnology. Mm. But basically, and I, I, I'm going to repeat what I, we kind of reflected on at the end, but as we're sitting back trying to like figure out man, why are we so like blasted from that? I was like, well, basically what we did was we went in and as technicians of the sacred and we channeled, like we set space and channeled so much energy that we actually tore a tear in profane time Mm -hmm. and created like a portal into sacred time and we're able to hold it open for like two hours. Yeah. That is no joke. That is <laughs> that know. is a lot of fucking work. And it's not like tooting my own horn. It's like it's actually like to. It some... actually it actually feels like I I felt like I was agreeing t- when you said that it was like oh wow yeah that's 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 kind of uh, interesting way of putting it because I don't know it's giving me appreciation for the facilitators and our teachers who we've been studying with for for you know three years now. Because it is, it really is like taxing on, in a way that is hard to describe. And I think like, uh, I don't know, it, it's not just about, you know, putting together a nice altar and then singing. There's, there are things that happen. And like, it was really obvious on that particular ceremony. And it was interesting actually to experience that when we were literally just serving cacao, which yeah. is like not, you know, pretty tame again. It- and then to have... Like internally, I think our experiences were like very attuned to the quality of sacred space and what happens in sacred space and how to hold it. And like, you know, so it's it, there's it's it, I'm understanding at a deeper level 
what it takes like yeah. to step into that role right because that's a it's a role you can learn it's not like we're special yeah, yeah but yeah. but like it takes a lot of things like it takes uh you know there's a certain amount of ritual or procedure a certain amount of like how things should go and then there's like presence and holding the space and a fair amount of skill yeah and like and experience and like kind of transmission through lineage yeah like all those things kind of have to come together and then there's also you know your instruments and the aesthetics like the presentation is important to some degree it it also is part of the way that we rip this the rip the fabric of time open a little bit it's like all those things all those things kind of come together and when it's done well you can have something really incredible happen Mm -hmm. doesn't happen every time yeah that's the thing too it's like you can't you can't predict but this was the i don't know but you know when it does happen because it gets reflected back to you like by the participants after there's something like nourishing Mm -hmm. like we all touched something yeah that that was life enhancing Mm mm-hmm happens yeah. that's how you and despite despite the throwing up afterwards i actually once i slept it off which was the sleep was interesting but once i slept it off like i have feel i have felt a lot better since yeah. we led that ceremony too so yeah. major endeavor is what we're saying and we're calling it shamanic cacao when you presented it as like basically we just rolled in and we as technicians at the sacred and we tore a, t- a thing i was like oh yeah that's what we do it's like we we literally packed our car with like all the the things you need for a ceremony, right? Like uh, comfy blankets and things like that. And like, it was just, a part of me was like, this is ridiculous. I should just be, you know, I don't know. It's like, we're just going to drink. It's an interesting thing because there's a part of me that's like, we're just going to be drinking cacao. Like, let's stop making this into a bigger deal than it is. And then we do it. And I'm like, holy shit, it's actually a big deal. Like, it's, yeah. And time and time again, the other experience I have, which I had firsthand back in the day, is... People who've never experienced ceremony like that, and most people haven't, mm-hmm. because it's pretty it's pretty rare. rare um, to it's it's like they experience it and it activates them. They're yeah. like, wow, that was that like was that super was awesome. in a sen- that was something incredible yeah. and like or an essential ingredient that I haven't had. It's like it's so obvious that it's nourishing and an important nutrient. Yeah, and like that's something I notice all the time is. I think recently, I, uh, maybe maybe you agree to that too, but I think recently I've been really reflecting on like the ceremony technology versus like what you ingest or what you take in during that time. Like I've just been really reflecting on like the power of ceremony standalone, like regardless of what happens within the ceremony. Yeah. Um, and, and recognizing like that actually plays a huge role in channeling like organizing the energies yeah i mean you can take an entheogen and not open sacred space and you can uh do like ceremony and open sacred space without taking an entheogen yeah yeah if you want to experience this this is a perfect time to uh i guess plug our oregon retreat coming up by the way um we are hosting our next retreat for wild within the wildwithin.org is in may it's called oregon awaken uh, and it's actually going to be where we live at Trout Creek um, mm-hmm. by popular demand. We're coming back and uh, we'll be doing one, maybe two cacao ceremonies there, shamanic cacao ceremonies. Yes. Um, so if uh, that, that interests you, check out our May retreat. Yeah. Come on over. It's going to be fun. Last year's retreat, last year's Oregon retreat in May 2022 was probably one of the most epic retreats we've ever led. That's I what would, most people are. I would say it's the most epic retreat we've yeah. ever led. 
it just clicked. And it's funny, I've, I've been realizing recently, it's like, oh, yeah, the land. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably a huge part of why it clicked is just this land that it's on is is magic. Um, and, yeah, it's fun. And I like having people come where we live this way. I don't have to travel anywhere. Yeah, it's a good hack. It's a good hack. So come on over if you want. I think maybe we spend the rest of our time today talking a little bit about communication. Yeah, that's kind of the topic we wanted to explore. Not sure exactly how we wanted to get into it. I think we were having conversation yesterday about how challenging communication can be and how rare it is to meet people who actually communicate I don't know, like maybe a more in, in, in the professional sense. I feel like we're nerds about communication. We're nerds. I think something we obsess about and spend an obsessive amount of time about is communication. And yeah. I've had that reflected back to me before mm. and recently as well. Mm-hmm. And like you and I are obsessive about it, like probably to a fault, maybe in our marriage. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know if there's a if if it's to a fault. Jury's out on that one yet. Yeah. We'll find out. But yeah. <laughs> but I think anyone who listens to this podcast would, even if you know us, you might be shocked if you really realized how much energy and time we put into communication, mm-hmm. not only in the act of communicating, but in learning how to communicate better. And I think I think it's just it's a something we're fascinated with. That's also been true. Um, that's also been true in at Wild Within, mm-hmm. um, and you've been a big part of that as well. And you're getting to be more. Um, involved there, but Kelly and I have have put a massive amount of work in there, and I think this is coming up lately, just because um, we're stepping into some new relationships too, where like we we're you know we're we're coming into each other's communication styles, and it's kind of fresh. Yeah, and I think <laughs> I I'm always just blown away. I I feel like communication is just like it's almost like if there was a magic bullet. It would be this, yeah, and it's like it's it's so overlooked, and and I'm just so often just like blown away by how little focus and attention goes to how we communicate, yeah. And when I enter in new relationships that like are partnerships in some way where where communication is key, you start to see that really quickly, like right, like I think we all know what it's like when you know you get into a new job or a new relationship, you pass that. A initial moment, right? And mm-hmm. you're in and you start to notice the way things aren't communicated well. Yeah. Right? Like you notice all the mismatches and stuff. And I, it blows my mind that I don't, I feel like I never run into other people that have spent really considered communication or studied it. Yeah. Like we have. Mm-hmm. And it has caused me to be very grateful about our relationship and also my relationship with Kelly mm. because I feel like We've done a massive amount of work there, but like we can bring up almost like anything Mm -hmm. and it's, and we know how to, Mm -hmm. too. like we know how to process this stuff and it doesn't blow shit up. It's like we can do it and have a, have a uh, compassionate and sensitive conversation and still bring up tough things that don't necessarily have answers or, uh, and we don't necessarily, we don't attach blame to them or we can communicate parts of ourselves um, that are feeling a certain way without it being mistaken that that's exactly like, that's the whole of us, right? Mm -hmm. Like we have a lot of skill in, in, in that. And sometimes I come up, I guess with the outside world and I'm just like, how y'all get anything fucking done? Because (laughs) 
because I, do, I don't know how to do I wouldn't know without like that level of communication with more complicated projects. It just seems like, yeah, at the very least, a lot of unnecessary suffering. But or maybe some people just have it figured out or just way better at it than me. But that doesn't seem to be the case. <laughs> um, and a lot of efficiency lost. Right. Like. Yeah. You know, I was talking with you about this a little bit, and I think there's this, like, default expectation or belief that we all have, that we all harbor, which is, like, with communication, like, with our partners or business partners or family members or whatever, is, like, that should be easier. Mm -hmm. And if you reflect on that, I think that's totally wrong. Like, but I I notice that for myself all the time. It's like, God, this should be easier, Mm -hmm. right? Like, which is because I'm coming from my own experience and like, I feel like, like I, I know, I think it should be easier to understand me because I understand me to some yeah. degree. Right. So that, that seems like an obvious one. Yeah. Right. But yeah. I'm having trouble understanding the other person and vi- yeah. the vice versa. But I, I, th- I think if we were to flip that belief around and just every time we notice, like we think this should be easier, we realize no communication is extraordinarily hard. And like, we actually, it, it, it's hard. Like just accept that as the default, not mm. that this should be easier that like, no, actually making an authentic connection or collaboration with someone else is is fairly challenging at a lot of the time especially relationships yeah in, yeah especially in general, complex nuanced relationships are it's actually hard to do and it actually takes a lot of energy to do well yeah and because if i think if we had that belief we we would be maybe feel better about spending the time it takes to build the foundations necessary to communicate well because my experience is like you can't really communicate a whole lot if there's no trust like if there's no shared experience yeah but the only way to build trust is to communicate i think or one of the major ways of building trust is communication so it's like kind of a loop but i feel like a lot of times we feel we can skip the trust building aspect or we don't really pay attention to that and like we should just be able to communicate yeah yeah and and I don't think that's true. Like, I, I think in any relationship where it's like, okay, it's going to take a lot of coordination or a lot of cooperation and hard things are going to have to be said both ways, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there, I know there needs to be a fair amount of trust in order for that to be effective or not blow up the relationship or things like that, right? Yeah. Like, you have to find common ground. You have to find places of connection and, and all this stuff. I just noticed, and I feel like it's in the air probably for a lot of people, which is why we're kind of bringing it up, which is like, I think we all underestimate how much it takes to communicate. If you think about it, it's like, no man is an island. Like, like that idea that like, but like, we are all kind of walled off in our own subjective experience to communicate effectively between like, and there's so many filters. Mm-hmm. There's so many like ways that the light can can get distorted or fractured or whatever. It's just, it's amazing we can communicate it all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but assuming that it should be easy, it's actually really, really hard. I just feel like if we did that, first off, we would probably realistically approach things a little bit better. And we we would maybe invest in it more. Because to me, whether it's our relationship or work or all these things, the bedrock is communication. Like, if I probably, if, if, I, if a 20-year-old came up to me and said, like, hey, what's the, like, one skill? Number should, one life skill. Number one life skill that I should like spend the next 10 years like trying to master like if to be successful. I'd be like communication. The thing is, I think that what's interesting with that is that w- when you make that your priority, 
or when you start going down that rabbit hole, you realize that it actually encompasses literally everything else. Like, I think that, for instance, one thing that I'm realizing um, that came up recently for me is like, you can't expect people to communicate clearly to you if they don't even know what their experience is. If they're not even able to read their emotional landscape yeah. and to read like the nuances of of their psyche or and if like their ex- being hijacked by by things going on inside. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like if there's no space in if it's like uh I feel like there's a lot that's coming up as we're starting to talk about this. It's obvious to me that there's a direct correlation between effective communication and and deep self-knowledge. I would call it listening. I would call it listening. And it, of course, and at first it's listening to yourself, to your own experience. Sure. Yeah. Like yes. I think that's a way you could bring it in the communication. Kind yeah. Of. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. I was also thinking when you started talking just earlier, how, when you said, you know, like I, I expect people, I expect it to be easy because I understand me. And so somehow that should, it's, it, there's a part of me that thinks that should be obvious how I like to communicate and my preferences or whatever. And, uh, it's also amazing to me to recognize how difficult it is to get out of our own perspective and just to realize that like other people have massively different perspectives and like this this sense of like being able to hold other people's perspective is I don't do it very well a lot of the time but I think like I I don't know I think I was like recently I was confronted to some some of those things like someone who is experiencing like a really challenging time in in their relationship and who comes to me to like bitch and moan about it. And, and then I'm like, well, if this was me, I would communicate this super clearly with my partner and I would communicate my needs and I would say this, this, and this. And then it's like, well, I shouldn't have to communicate my needs. So then they should know. And they should. Yeah. That's a good one right there. They they should know. Oh my God. I don't even know what to make with that. But but how often do we actually run up against that, that, that belief? I think like that belief is actually pretty rampant. Yeah. You should know. I know. It's so bad. It's getting, I feel like it's, it's very common. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, you know, I feel like, I don't know if it's, this is like, um, a skill that I just, I had, I got, so I know I got really obsessed about it because I was a manager and as a manager, you're like, you're kind of a bridge between a lot of different parties mm-hmm. and you, and you, and you rely on all of them. Mm-hmm. Right. So like you kind of, and, and you're kind of actually responsible for, you know, communicating with all of them, mm-hmm. like, and, and. And it can be a tricky role to play. But one thing that happens on that is that I don't know how many times as a manager I had the the script flipped on me where I thought I knew what was going on. And then when I actually like showed up and listened, like this is why I used to like drive up to our warehouse, which was, you know, an hour and a half away and I didn't like going. But like I'd go there because uh, to because I we managed a warehouse team and I was in the office, but I drive up there every so often. And so because I wanted to be present and and give a chance just to to hear what comes out. And so many times, it's not what you thought it would be, you know. And you realize, oh, this is playing into that, and like mm. this over here is partly. And you start to get a more nuanced picture of things. And I don't know how many times that what I thought was going on was proven to me to be wrong or narrow or insufficient to what actually was going on. Yeah. That at some point it just got to be anatomy that I knew or that I could know. I, I would have a hunch and that was worth following and investigating. But like also 
knowing that no, no matter how self-righteous I felt, how dead sure, like knowing that it was probably not the full story. And also the fact that because I was in between multiple parties, I heard both sides of the story mm-hmm. or multiple sides. There's more than two sides to any story, but usually, but you hear them. And so you hear what they're not taking into account on, from the other side yeah. and vice versa. And you're like, oh, well, that like that's an, that's interesting because usually I'm on one of those sides too, yeah. you know, like, so I think I spent five years marinating in that like nonstop every day. And like my, my livelihood depended on me uh, facilitating that yeah. and, and getting to effective kind of solutions. And I think it really drilled, I, I think it was like just an apprenticeship and a communication and most of the time bad communication yeah. and seeing how bad it went and then trying, trying to find a, philosophies slash like technique or not even technique it was deeper than that but like a, a way of being that was better than what i was seeing modeled because most of the time everywhere what i was seeing was like this is bad this yeah. is poor yeah so i probably inherit like that was probably a major a bigger gift than i than i think yeah for sure uh, and also it happened at such a f- f- during such formative years for your your brain too i mean it probably i i can tell that it's 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 had a very lasting impact on you in, in in a positive way something else kind of i'm just kind of exploring things as they come up but the what you were talking about you know the trust building and and all of that and and then you know being the bridge in between different parties that we're having maybe where something's not flowing but is a uh, man silence or like not actually like moments of silence or you know like if you were to not go to the warehouse often enough like those things really begin to fester because if if you don't have clear communication with someone who maybe something happened and then you don't actually clear the air right away or soon in a, in a constructive way, you can begin to project all sorts of stories onto why the person did what they did. We're story making machines. Oh my God. And it's like, it, it, it can really decay so fast Yeah, and you can end up, I mean, this is classic, but it's like you end up having a relationship with your projection, your projection of the person rather than the person. This is why in any really important relationship, there's got to be a lot of touch points and there has to be enough space in those touch points where this stuff can get corrected Mm. because you and I have been at it for, for quite a, for five years now, Mm. like in a pretty serious way. I think we're pretty six, dude, six, almost six. And I could use my business partnership with Kelly too. But even now we have a lot of trust and a lot of rapport, but even it doesn't, it doesn't even now, if we don't check in and we don't have the space and feel safe enough to be able to share the stories because they're linked to emotions and feelings and stuff, Mm -hmm. they can run rampant, right? Like if you don't talk about something that happened a week ago and you just kind of let it get buried, it doesn't get, it doesn't go away. The stories on that spin and they also they they kind of almost can grow and then they can become resentments or they can become, they can influence future things, right? So like everything starts to get a tilt to it. And it's like, if you check in often, there's like a, a lot of us might've read the book, The Little Prince, mm. Le Petit Prince. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's the Baobab story in there. The mm. prince is living on this like very small world. He can walk the circumference of this world in less than a day. And on it, there's this giant, there's these giant 
um, balabobs, which are these like kind of invader trees or something that 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 they don't he doesn't want to have there because it can it's a small planet and they can take over the, the mm-hmm. planet. And so he he has to root them out all the time because if he lets them, if he gets lazy about it and they root in, it becomes a much bigger job later. Mm-hmm. That's how our stories are. If they get root and like we don't like shine the light on them and like uproot those things. It's constant weeding. It's yeah. like, it's constant weeding. I think that's the way to think about it. And cause I noticed for myself with this much experience and with the relationships that I have, those stories still happen. I still have to check in common uh, fairly commonly to uh, prevent that from taking over. Yeah. I think there, so much of it, I think you're right. Does come down to certain components of self-awareness it's tough to communicate with people who aren't self-aware. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's, that's, I think that oftentimes that's where I find most frustrating personally. And, and, and I'm, I'm actually finding myself being like, I don't know how to have a deep relationship in, in a situation where there's a lack of self-awareness because it's like, I can sense that there's anger but somehow you like the person doesn't even seem to register their own anger or know how to communicate it or or I don't know like I and I have like this is not to this is not like from a lack of compassion but this is something I'm like questioning a lot recently of just like how do I uh navigate being in direct relationship when there's no self-awareness like I don't know how to do that the other the other thing I was going to say earlier was um you know, around this idea of like silence and like so many touch points needed and 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 making sure that things can get brought up and discussed and and openly shared. It's it's interesting to me, the more time I spend thinking about what it takes for communication to run smoothly and for relationships as a result to function, the more I'm like, man, the fact that we get to collaborate on anything that we've that we has hum as humans have managed to self-organize to build pyramids to build you know fucking google or whatever it is like how are we doing that like it's it's always impressive to me the level of communication abilities that is required to be able to do such big projects with that many people involved because you can't like I guess the the organizing principles are like what prevent you from having to have high touch points with every single employees right like well, if you're the CEO, I don't know. But, yeah I mean, I mean I'd push back on the pyramid example because I'd be like yeah there definitely there's a lot of communication still I mean the pyramids are but it's also slaves. slave labor yeah, 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 and slave, yeah, maybe sure. google too yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but true. like that's a hierarchical True. I uh, mean you can but you like you can take you can take even smaller examples like you can take uh I don't know like things like uh that have a higher like a more spiritual purpose, right? Like there are things that we've done as human beings that have required immense amounts of of collaboration that are that didn't rely on slave labor or you know like I don't know like Oroville in India, like that that like community where Yeah, I think it always like I, to me I don't I'm not sure there's any hack for it takes a lot of energy and like it takes a lot of investment yeah. like and takes like really being there. I mean, in every if it's going to especially for nuanced, complex projects like where like anyone I've been involved in has taken an extraordinary amount of uh, investment and energy as far as communication goes. Mm-hmm. Like that's the bedrock for mm-hmm. it. And yeah, I think it's interesting you point out like silence, right? There needs to be an ability, like there needs to be si- silence, or so that 
things can be brought up, right? Because we're not talking about the kind of communication, which is really just a megaphone Mm -hmm. to the, you know, where it's actually you're filling up the room with your thoughts yeah, uh, and communicating that, but no one else can speak. We're talking about something that is, is uh, back and forth. Yeah. That, like a conversation. Yes. Yeah. A dialogue, right? Yeah. Like where, where everyone is con- contributing and uh, into it and you're mediate, like you're, you're working through feelings and, and people are able to co- show up as th- their whole selves. Yeah. Like when you're working with a, the whole person, those are actually, I find I don't have a lot of room in my life for a lot of those relationships mm-hmm, at a high level. Mm-hmm, yeah. Like those are, those are um, maybe as I grow, it seems to be this way is that as I grow in my own skills and also as uh, some of the early ones flourish, mm-hmm. I have room for more. Yeah. But the number is small and I can count them on one hand. So it, there, there's space as well, which is slightly different than silence, right? Like, but it's similar feelings like space. Well, one, we need to be present. Like we need to know how to be present personally. But then there also needs to be space for things to be able to come up. And and that's where like safety and trust are involved. Because if you're a facilitator, you know, especially if you're like a, a facilitator in a in a healing profession mm-hmm. or you're a practitioner, I should say, it's like you there's there you know that whatever might come up in your work together. They're only going to bring what they think the practitioner can handle. Yeah. Even even if that's not a conscious decision. Unconsciously, they're not going to open up the the hatch and let out the monsters if they don't. If they think they're going to overwhelm them yeah. and the practitioner, mm-hmm. won't happen. It's going to be cut off. The only time that's why space, like that's why sacred space, this idea is so it is real in a way is because when we feel safe and held, when we feel like the borders are being tended to, when we feel like there's competent practitioners and, and all the things that go with that, we can relax and these, and, and some of we can work through this in a way that we know the space can hold it mm-hmm. and, and it's not going to destroy it or anything. So we can kind of let it out and work it out. I mean, we've been to ayahuasca ceremonies where that's taken to an extreme mm-hmm. where people like, things close to exorcisms are happening because the space can hold it. Yeah. And the, the practitioners can hold it. I, I guess it depends, you know, what level of communication, but I, and maybe we could try to work on a de- definition of that, but it's, it's something about like communicating in integrity in our wholeness mm-hmm. with another human being mm-hmm. so that we may collaborate in some shared interest in our lives. Yeah. that's important to us. Be something like that. And I I like, that's not the same as like, you know, handing down orders from the boss. Well, I I feel it's funny because like communication, we don't teach that anywhere except when you go to school to learn how to market or how to like convince people of what they should do. I don't think we learn it there. Honestly, I took some marketing classes. I mean, that I mean, kind of I, I studied is... I studied hypnotherapy, and I feel like I got to I got to experience some of those like pretty basic like suggestion techniques. Be, be, it was manipulation. That's... The, not 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 suggesting this for hypnotherapy. Yeah, but, yeah. But in marketing, yeah, we were studying manipulation. Yeah, but the the thing is, if you go at the core principles that are being taught to manipulate, like those core principles are principles of communication that if they're used. With the interest of actually connecting to another human being, or are the principles of healthy communication true? And when we communicate, we have an agenda. That's part of it, right? Like we we have a reason for communicating. Yes. So yeah. Yes. And so, we want to influence people. I mean, this is a lot of the yeah. 
They can't really be teased out of it. I, I think that this was actually something that was brought up a lot during the training because during my, my hypnotherapy training, because I think uh, a lot of those techniques are techniques like you're suggesting things. And, and, and the reason because you're you you have to um, you're guiding the, the, the way for people to go into some sort of hypnosis state. And in order to do that, you have to know how to speak and tell a story like a good storyteller is a hypnotherapist and like when you tell a good story it's because people can actually relate to it and so like and they were they oftentimes were met with this like well how do we know it's not manipulation or are are we manipulating and i think that one it doesn't really translate i guess but for instance in france when you go see a chiropractor what they do to you, like the the act that they perform on you, is called manipulation. No, it's called that here too. Okay, great. Yeah. So they were just our teachers would bring it back to like we manipulate all the time. This is what we do by simply existing. It, is we're taking reality and making it into something. It might actually be what makes us human. Yeah. If you think about it, is that we manipulate tools and things like this. this exactly. Might be the so it's like definition. we have to go back to the actual root of the word manipulation, which is something to do with the hand. I've, it's like you are you are you like you can manipulate tools. And I think we've come to know the word manipulation as like evil mind bending, mind control or whatever, because unfortunately this is a lot of what we see. But yeah, like, it, well, and it's why a lot of people that go into like NLP or or hypnotherapy is like it, it gives me the creeps because yeah. you're like you're not going to use it for the right reasons. Yeah, but like, yeah, but yeah. like it's a neutral thing. It's a it's, it's like a, a knife. It it's me, like you can use it to kill someone or you can use it to prepare a meal to nourish the tribe. It's like, like the defense against the dark arts class, right? <laughs> That's what it is, yeah, right? Like yes, yes. because also you need to know these things yes. because because they're happening to you all the time. Yes. Like I, like I mean we're getting hit with it. Um, at a very sophisticated level by marketers all the time, yeah. right? So it's just from that, from a self-defense level, it's good to have some, okay, our lights just went out. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the sh- <laughs> It's good to have some understanding of this st- stuff so you can protect against those that might have bad intentions. Yeah. And, and it's, it's and I also a lot of the people actually took that stance when they went this you're actually going through a loop that I saw happen during the training quite a lot, which is like, oh cool, so then I guess I know and I can protect myself. Usually no, that no. doesn't work. No, I don't like think that's that. a deep enough like you, you that's not deep enough, right? Yeah. Like that's still like uh kind of surface level. I feel like to me, I don't know, I think it's probably ground rooting yourself in basic values, mm-hmm. right? Around respect, honesty, trust. Are you in service to something greater than yourself in mm-hmm. this communication? That's something we have to check all the time. It's not like we can say once yeah. and for all, like, yeah, I, I check all his boxes. I don't have to worry Basically, about this. Basically, what, what I think is is I'm trying to get at is that, like, the more skills you collect and and if, you know, opening sacred space and and communicating and all of that, the higher the responsibility to make sure that you check your intentions and your integrity at every turn. Hence why you're going to deepen your self-awareness as you learn those skills, or at least that should be happening. That should be happening. Because you you need a more nuanced and deeper understanding, like morality, basically, yeah. and ethics. Yeah. For the what you're what you're learning. Yeah. Right? Like this so those should be concurrent. It's like 
a deepening of self-awareness as well as you're 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 learning those skills so mm-hmm. that you can employ them well. I think just just to like kind of wrap up because this topic of like manipulation marketing all of this has been actually in our minds with at yeah. Wild Within it's been it's been present for us. It's been a conversation. Uh, it's we're been having. a conversation we're having. Just another thing is like a very not even a very a good com- comedian like a good stand up comedian is manipulating us the entire time that's that's what that's what because it's like it's manipul it's shaping speech and language and stories so that you produce an outcome if your outcome is to create laughter and joy and all of that like that's the value that it serves but the technique remains the same and so i think like this is just the side the side track that i wanted to take because i think like it's actually really interesting to look at those techniques and those like skills as you can you can use them for anything you can use them for evil and you can use them for your own gain or you can use them to really genuinely deepen your relationship with human beings that you meet and and make sure that you are in relationship with as much of their true self as you can instead of your projections of them for instance yeah i think it, it i think this is why it's so linked to spirituality in my mind is because it's a search for truth Mm-hmm. You know, like it's like how how can we actually have a real connection? How can we communicate truthfully to each other? How can I, you know, and how can I be truthful to myself? Yes, as well in the process, and and it's a double edged sword because like as these skills are developed, there's a heightened awareness, and it can be painful, <laughs> right? Like you. It just is the fact that a lot of times I feel like I can pick up on things that the other person is not aware or does not want to reveal. Like I, I can sense a lot of that mm-hmm. um, from from studying this, and sometimes it's not very fucking fun. Like no. that's actually not great at all. You know. Yeah. Uh, but it can be helpful in understanding how to maybe like facilitate the conversation in a way yeah. and bring and bring it to places that are fruitful. And also what might be getting in the way of having the, having the conversation you need to have so you can steer it in places. And I, I think there's a, there's also a difference in what I'm hearing you share right now. It, I think for me, there is a difference between how I communicate and how I show up to private friendships, partnerships, romantic relationship, like how... There's a difference between the private and the professional. Yeah, for and sure. like when I show up in healing spaces, in my coaching containers, and all of that, like there, it's a different, it's a different attitude. The same way that it's a different attitude when I show up as a client. Well, you've been hired session. for a job in in when you're a facilitator, right? Like yeah. you're hired there for a purpose. So, so there's you're holding the intention that. is it's like for instance in that scenario of like I might pick up something that someone is is not willing to reveal. If the person is paying me to be in a container of of self-revelation, of like getting to know themselves better, I might gently, if I feel like they're if I feel like this is information that they're ready to unpack with me, I might just be like, I'm noticing, I'm sensing that you might be feeling this. Am I am I is that is that true? Is that correct? Does that land in your experience? And then we can take it from here. What's different and what's difficult is when it happens in the private sphere, depending on my level of relationship with that person, of just feeling like 
Oh, there's a lot. A guy can pick up a lot of like, I don't know, anger, sadness, grief, whatever it is. And, and, uh, I don't think it's the appropriate space to bring it up because we're in a casual conversation right now. Yeah. You don't want to coach your friends. You won't have very many oh, friends left. Man, that, it's, it's <laughs> I, I hate when people do that. Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm noticing it. Fuck you. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I'm here for a margarita. Consent. 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 I want to ask you, like, because I know, like, I don't know. I feel like uh, part of me is like, can we bring this to, like, tangible nuggets or, like, like, avenues of continuing to explore this for people? Because, like, okay, you've done the five years of managing in your early 20s, which I think was probably the most important thing. What has been, what have been some like teachings, books, places or whatever? Well, here, that here's you, one that, that I'm just going to suggest as a practice. Like it's not, I think benefit of the doubt, practice mm-hmm. giving the benefit of the doubt in every situation. Like what if you were to do that? What if you were to in I every situation? be si- a sucker <laughs> is what would happen. I'm not saying no, you, no, I know. <laughs> you, you, you entertain the, you, you give the benefit of the doubt, but you, you don't. I'm saying basically, what if you were to operate from the belief that everyone's doing the best they can, right? And that everyone, if, if, if something, or what would if you were to operate from the belief in a communication that if things weren't going well, that you were, you were responsible. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying to like be a sucker. Um, This is not a way to be lazy or to just rationalize it away or sugarcoat it. Like, what if you use that as a, 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 jumping off point for investigation. Mm-hmm. Because if my experience is that a man, as a manager is that if I, when I approach the world from that place, I learn a lot more than were I to think I had the right ideas, like fixed ideas about what was going on. Mm. And a lot more gets done. The thing is, this is why I think communication is so worthwhile, like to focus on to this obsessive degree almost is because it's like, it's because it's foundational, because it's bedrock, it's like, if you fix that, everything else improves. Yeah. Everything else improves. It's not like you 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 spend all this time and you get that, you do the communication and like it improves this one thing. Everything's going to get better. Everything's going to flourish. It's going to be more trust. There's going to be more openness. There's going to be more transparency. It's going to be less time spent, lost in miscommunications and, and things like this. Yeah. You are, you're probably going to spend more time processing things but like you're going to spend a lot less time fuming and and having all these shadow arguments with people and things or mm-hmm. or just outbursts and things. You're going to bring more of it above board and work it out. And you're going to learn a ton of shit about yourself because the other part about communicating, and I think this is honest to God, one of the reasons why we don't do it is because we know that if we were to give this an honest try, we'd learn a lot of shit about ourselves we don't like. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the other thing that would happen if you let go of those defenses about how you think your perspective is right. You would recognize that most of the time you don't know. And a lot of times you fucked up or like you did things that contributed to the problem. Right. And a lot of times we just don't want to know that it's mm-hmm. inconvenient. And I think if we spend the time, uh, there's no promises about what will improve sometimes on that. And you have to put a fair amount of investment, but I think it's the only long term way to go, because if you do that, it can get better beyond your imagination. Mm-hmm. You can develop deep friendships. You can you can do things that you can feel like really heard. You can connect with people on a deep level and hold core values together, and like really feel like you're 
you're you're I don't know connected. Um, and I'm not sure what a better word. I mean, is. I'm just as I'm hearing you describe this, it's like this is part of why people have such uh, transformational times during our retreats. This is why people continue to come back is because they experience and they think a lot of the time they're like, oh yeah, these are people that share my values. That's not true. That like a lot well, it of depends like, what the values well, are. it depends what values we're talking about. But I think maybe in the in the more like traditional sense, like the maybe more va- like, communication is a value. Yeah, though. exactly, exactly. I think that like that's a great value to have to then be able to actually communicate with everyone because then I don't care if you're Republican or if you or if you uh, believe COVID's a hoax or if you believe you know like I don't actually give it's a, a shit. skill that's universal. It'll it'll improve every single interaction and yeah. relationship you have in your life. Yeah, that's like how like that that's that's why it's worth focusing on so yeah. much and you've probably had the experience when you've uh spent time with someone who communicates well mm-hmm. you feel seen you feel heard you feel like you can bring what your life like whatever's going on in your life to them you you gain insight you learn new things like it's a gift yeah. and i think this is a lot of what's going on in the world right now is a total fucking breakdown in communication as as like we develop these new communication technologies and stuff, it's just I think it's revealing to us how little stock we've like we just have not been putting in the amount of uh, effort and energy or investment into communication, and then we amplified it mm-hmm. in a way that like is yeah. that's actually deteriorating it more. This yeah. is oversimplified for sure, but one of the major things is like this is something if you're looking around and you're like what's the fuck's wrong with the world i think one way one lens you could look through it is like well we're just we're really not understanding how to communicate with each other anymore you can do something about that you can do something about that and you can make that problem better not worse and that would be through becoming student uh, communication and like so i think that those questions would be a good place to start um like it's not we don't have i don't think I don't. I, I can think of some things I could suggest as practices, but I really feel like it's an inquiry yeah. that like has to be fairly sincere and internal. Of like, what if I'm wrong? What if I don't have the full picture? What if this person's actually like actually right? Or what if the way they are operating actually makes sense? If I knew the whole picture, mm. that's a mm. that's an interesting one. That's a particularly interesting one because almost always it does. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, it's, it's. I believe, can't remember. I think it might be from Byron Katie, but she says something like, uh, if you held the same beliefs as the person you're talking to, you would believe, you would behave exactly as they're behaving. And I think that this, like, there, there can be this, like, holier than thou thing that's happening yeah. in particular but yeah the what if i'm wrong it's it's a i i can feel it in myself when you ask the question there's a part of me that's like i don't want to know fuck that yeah like so, i don't and i think that so i think that my other kind of contribution to this like practice of you know how do you how do you orient your life towards better communication which i i assume if you're listening to this podcast this is something of interest to you and this is something that you actually care about changing I think that it's pretty critical to have some form of spiritual practice that allows to create space between you and your reactions. Yes. Because otherwise you get so identified with you with being right that then it's 
unacceptably painful to imagine being wrong. Yeah, if you can't if you can't create space from your reactions, you 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 can't respond. Yeah. And responding is a part you of communicating. You react and you don't respond. Yeah, that yes. is that is essential. And so you're right. Some sort of spiritual practice that helps. helps it can be yoga. It can be it can be meditation, and it can be. But like, it has to be with the intention of like creating space between us and our reactions. I, that that is, I think, also foundational. I think you. It's like, do you want to be a wall or do you want to be a bridge? I mean, like really reflecting on that, like, because actually the, because the questions, like, I think at some point we're like, oh yeah, I want to be a bridge. Well, being a bridge is like, you, bridges carry loads. And you get trampled. And they, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it's not, it's not easy, but I think a lot of the times mm-hmm. we don't communicate is because we want to protect ourselves or, you know, like, and I think maybe another very practical way is like find Find places in your life where you can workshop this or where you can start to lean into being a bridge rather than a wall. In that moment where you notice, maybe because of some of the spiritual practice of creating space, you notice like, oh, here's a chance where I could lean in and try to bridge this situation. Maybe actually try to understand a perspective that's challenging to me or I don't agree with. Or I could defend myself and wall up here and conserve my energy and all that. Like, there's a lot of times where the answer maybe should be, I should be a wall here, right? Mm-hmm, like, I'm not mm-hmm. saying you should be a bridge everywhere. Then you're a doormat. Um, but but there are areas probably that are like, ooh, it would be a good idea to to lean into this, but I really don't want to. And maybe those happen all the time for me. I, I know that feeling. I know yeah. it so well that I my body tells me when I need to lean into something that I don't want to do. And then I'll get irritated about it and a little moody about it, but I'll do it. Yeah. Like, because I know it's worth it. I don't want to do it though. It sucks. It's hard. Sometimes that can take a, a couple of days. It can take a week, right? To like, to like process it out for yourself. And, and a lot of times it's super messy work. So that's the other suggestion I would have. It's like, is there one relationship in your life where you could practice this? Because um, it's, it, it feels risky. Right. And if we start with like high stakes situations, we're going to, it's going to be really hard and rough going and we're probably not going to, it's probably going to be hard, but do you have one relationship in your life where they also take an interest in this and where like you could maybe consciously together, like start to explore that deeper because there takes a fair amount of trust mm-hmm. because communicating is also revealing. Right. And, and like in being seen, these are things we have a hard time with. So, so maybe practice that in a teacher-student relationship or in a romantic relationship if you're so lucky or like find or a friendship, right? Like maybe somewhere where you can practice that more so that like when that skill grows a little bit, you feel a little bit more confident to bring it into things that are high stakes mm-hmm. where the communication is much harder. Um, and then, of course, there's like plenty of modalities that can teach you skills for this like i think some of the ones that have been most beneficial for me have been um uh nonviolent communication i would almost say that's that's a starting point that's a really big starting point i was actually going to mention a few books to like kind of go deeper on this or, or and i think like even nonviolent communication has a bunch of workshops i mean it's it's pretty worldwide now but um so yeah nonviolent communication there is I, I really appreciate the work of Brene Brown in general around yeah. this topic. I think Dare to Lead is is actually a great book by her 
all of her books are awesome, like Braving the Wilderness. They're all, is about, another communication. One. They're all about communication. And she does a wonderful job at outlining like kind of real life examples of like how she's leaned into tough conversations and things and, like that. And she, ha- she, she, I think she's a great example of the humility that's yeah. needed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then uh, there's all the 15 commitments of conscious leadership. Like those are pretty foundational because it is, I think at the end of the day, if you make the commitment to to learn how to communicate and you continue to improve on that skill over and over, not at first maybe, but there is a, t- there is a point where it's like, oh, well... <laughs> I kind of have to t- assume positions of leadership and like and whatever that means in your life because because first of people are going to seek you out. People yeah. are going to want. If you want. can communicate well, that's one of the number one skills for leadership. And 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 the thing is if you can communicate well, I would say it becomes kind of a duty to to turn to it's positions of leadership. It's at least a gift le- where you yeah. can you can serve. Yeah. Yeah. And your life is just going to be a lot more pleasant. Mm-hmm. in general like there's a self-interest in it as well i think you know some personality types mm-hmm. so like uh the two that i think have been most helpful for me is the enneagram and uh the mbti myers-briggs type typology indicator but more more so um jung's um ideas around type he was the architect of that system and then the mbti kind of built it out Understanding personality types is a great way to really start to immerse yourself in how many different perspectives there are. Um, because these are like, you know, personality types are these like, these just like almost energy patterns that that aren't, it's not really who we are in a way, but we see them com- con- constantly and commonly. And yeah. they're very different from each other. So you can get a very quick sense of like how diverse the perspectives are and what and like, if you spend time with it, you can, you can get a sense of how different a place you might be coming from. Also, you can learn a lot about your own communication style. That's probably a lot of people go into it because they want to learn how other people, like how to, you know, other people's communication styles yeah. and how to work with them because they figured theirs out, right? Yeah. But then they really, like, I think really where the gold is in understanding yours and like your blind spots and things like that. So personality type, particularly the Enneagram and uh, the MBTI, I think are also very helpful. I also think I haven't ran into it directly, but I know indirectly it's had a big impact, which is uh, IFS, internal family systems. Oh yeah. Generally, uh, like different, there's different psychologies. Like for me, it's been a lot of Jungian psychology and archetypal psychology and also, um, like Bill Plotkin's work. But in a lot of that, like, um, there's a big focus on, uh, different parts of the psyche that act as autonomous parts. So like inside of us, so it's like uh, Bill, uh, Walt Whitman's like, I contain multitudes, Mm -hmm. uh, sort of. There's a lot of parts inside of us and one of them might be speaking at any moment, right? A psychology that has a good system and understanding of that, that can help us understand how that there are many fractured aspects of our psyche that uh, have autonomous personalities Having that kind of perspective has been priceless to me and I think fairly accurate to, to what seems to be going on with me and other people. Um, so I think being a student of psych- those kind of, that kind of psychology can be pretty helpful as well. Mm-hmm. Last words. Do you smoke, communicate with one M or two? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's two, I know. Sometimes I wonder when I write it out. <laughs>
Oh, this is exactly where we need to end. Yeah. And thank you for being here. Thank you. We love you so much, beautiful listener. We appreciate your presence, and we hope this was an interesting conversation to you. I hope this was an interesting communication on communication. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, We're nerds about it. I, I just think yeah. about this stuff all the time, and I we, I don't know how many times we we have a, a situation. A communication situation, whether it's just you and I, or whether it's a team thing or whatever, then you and I analyze it after. Oh my god, yeah. It's like it's yeah. It's that's like one analyzing of my favorite things game, to do. You know, it's like all right, but like that, like that's I. I don't think people recognize that that's how much energy like and takes. passion kind of that at least goes into it for us. I don't know if it has to take that, but yeah. like that's like to the degree that I think about this stuff. For sure, yeah. Well, yeah, I find it fascinating too. I mean, it's 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 coexisting. This is really what it is. It's like, how do we exist with other human beings? Yeah. Um. If you appreciated the podcast, there's a few ways you can support it. The first is becoming a patron at the Far Out. Oh, Patreon.com. God, at patreoncom couple. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and uh, you can become a monthly patron there. It helps. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank thank you to you. all our patrons. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second way is you can purchase some lovely cacao. We've got a we've got a affiliate link on our uh, show notes. Uh, it's cacao we drink and love and use in our shamanic ceremonies, and you can too. And uh, we get a little kickback uh, on those sales, and you're supporting a good cause. And we're hosting a community cacao ceremony on February fourth. Um, I'll put the details in the show notes as well. Join Wonderful. us. Yeah. On Zoom. On so, Zoom. Yeah. yeah, not in person on that one. And uh, the third way is you can leave a review for this show. If, you, um, if you're new here or uh, even if you're not new and you just haven't let a, left a review yet, we would love to hear your words or read your words. Yes. Uh, uh, leaving a review at Apple Podcasts in particular, but uh, anywhere where you may leave a review, that would be very helpful and it lights us up. So thank you ahead of ahead of time. Thank you. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Adios. Bye.